Hello and welcome to the Celtic Women's Football Show. I'm your host, as always, Claire Wilde. And joining me is Lorenzo Pacitti. Hi, Lorenzo. Good evening, Claire. How are you? Good evening. I'm very well. I was just showing you before we started recording that I've got a little cheeky glass of leftover Mother's Day mimosa. So, you know, that's a nice way to start. Weirdly, like, you know, the sun came out for a bit. We had the doors open. We're like desperately clinging on to the idea that spring and summer are like on their way. You have to force it. You have to force the agenda. (laughs) <laughs> I know talk we're gonna obviously talk about the party thistle game but I can tell you one thing I thought I had layered up sufficiently but I was so cold <laughs> um anyway how are you how's your week been it's only Tuesday I'm good it's only Tuesday but um, it's a bit it's a bit of a weird week obviously we're now on international break for the women's team but we've got a huge game coming up at the weekend so if you're a Celtic fan, you might be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, the, the the trouble with supporting, you know, two Celtic teams, sometimes it's great because you get so many games and you can always watch Celtic and the international weeks don't overlap. But when one goes into like a momentum, like we're in the split now for the women's game, which we aren't quite yet for the men's game. So I don't want a little break now. I don't need any of this, you know. So it's, it is frustrating, as you say, because the next game is so huge. It's as big as it gets. It's just frustrating yeah um but yeah this is where we are um a few bits of news to talk about before we get into the part thistle game um we mentioned this on the podcast last week the scotland call-ups lisa robertson has had a last minute scotland call-up and i haven't got the clip of it we've got a few clips of fran from after the party match but he specifically said when i spoke to him um, kind of unprompted actually it was like he was trying to shoehorn it in because I didn't specifically ask whether there were players in the squad that he thought should have been called up but he mentioned Amy Gallagher um, and Lisa actually by name um, and I think we'd obviously mentioned her so st- the, and there are a couple of other SWPL names from other teams flying around that are like you know getting overlooked and it's a bit frustrating isn't it yeah, there's now, I think, eight Rangers players involved in that squad yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> more recent call-ups. The Robertson one's funny just because we've been clamouring to see her play for us. Yeah. And she hasn't been, and now she's playing for Scotland. So, you know, there's no it injury seems, concern there, obviously. It's, it seems, well, she had COVID that week, one of the weeks she was off. But it does seem odd because she hasn't had so many minutes for us that she would get picked over a player like Amy, who, whilst, you know, she hasn't been tried and tested, there are you know Catherine Hills had a call up Emma Watson's had a call up these are all players who also haven't been tried and tested you've got to be tried and tested at some point Um, and I don't know I have a big issue with the Scotland team in general I have mentioned it before I just find that I find the the management frustrating whenever I watch the games and I've thought that even back to the previous manager I remember watching uh, one of the big tournaments kind of for the Euros um, in a pub watching Shelley Kerr Scotland with a lot of talent Mm-hmm. Just play terrible football for no reason and yeah. play very negative football. Uh, and I kind of feel the same way now. I don't think the football is very good. I think the squad selection is so stale. Uh, so as you say, when all these new call-ups happen, you want to see some names you haven't seen before. And as Celtic fans, yeah, it would be great to see Amy. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not a national team right now that I feel like is exciting. And yeah. I'd like to see some changes, but that's, that's for a different day. I agree. It's that kind of frustrating thing that you get with Scotland where it's chock full of talent. And somehow it doesn't seem to translate onto, into performances in big games, which is, you know, 
I live I with a you... I live with an ever disappointed Scotland fan who's constantly <laughs> telling me that he is going to stop watching Scotland forever, and that's the last time. <laughs> I think we just don't. We have such like the 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 most quality players in Scotland are so clear, and they're playing at such a high level that you have to build a team around them, and that means complementing them the way they play. Mm. But the lineup doesn't really change. Um, when it does, again, it doesn't. It's kind of square pegs and round holes a lot of the time. Uh, and it just doesn't feel like you're making the best out of the extreme talent that you've got. Now, there's no, you know, mistake in the fact the SWPL is only fairly recently professionalised. So somebody like Caroline Weir isn't going to be just, you know, a little bit ahead or a league ahead. She is in another stratosphere, another galaxy from the, the players yeah. around her. And that, for me, doesn't take that into account enough, I don't think. Yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to see how these fixtures go. Um Let's move on to some other stuff. We had the announcement of the parks. Motor Group sponsoring the mm. league um, for the rest of the season. I, well, for the rest of the season, I think, if I'm right, it was till 2526. So that's a long-term commitment from them. Um, we saw them involved with the league when it was pr- in its previous incarnation under um, Scottish women's football. Did you have any thoughts on that? Well, what about an hour ago? I don't know if you saw it uh, for the day of us recording here on Tuesday. He's resigned from Rangers. Oh, I don't. I didn't know that. I mean, I don't think that has any huge bearing on this, but it maybe means it's a bit less annoying to see parts mm. like plastered all over everything to focus all the attention on the women's league in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. So, so then the only new, the only way to approach that news then it's just nice to have money coming in nice to have sponsors i just yeah. hope it's you know the best deal i think we can be guilty of when it's somebody you know when it's like a a company you know and you've seen do kind of sponsorship around the country you're in mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel so fresh and exciting you can assume that it must be like a pittance but at the same time let's just hope it's the best offer and we're taking the most money and that's all that matters yeah well the other thing is we haven't still got that we've got this partnerships person who's supposedly coming in at some point which hasn't been announced so we're kind of i guess that that will be maybe they will be looking for further partnerships and sponsorships for the league so it might not be that you get one sponsorship across the board and then that's it i i would imagine there might be a few more things coming yep um just to touch as well on the Craig McPherson apology, he's issued an official apology for headbutting Fran after the Rangers game. <laughs> uh, what did you make of it? And is, um, I mean, there's not going to be any outcome officially until the hearing on April the 18th, uh, 18th April the 13th. But um, he has put out one of those lovely blue statements. Mm, I just thought it was pathetic. Um, the fact that we're, we're at a point here where we're dealing with it's being investigated by the appropriate people and we're waiting on the appropriate people to comment. The guy headbutted somebody at his work, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> step one, he should be sacked. Step two, an internal investigation to decide, you know, for Rangers' sake, to not have to pay him compensation, you know, to not have to pay out his contract, whatever they want to do. But there's a blanket easy answer here and it's a police matter, if anything. There's no, I don't know, understand what the SFA is involved about. The guy should be sacked, game over. I know. It's absolutely wild the way that, that like Michael Beale said it was out of character and apparently he's met him like twice in his life. Yeah, Michael Beale interview was infuriating. This, <laughs> this um I only I like it when Arsene Wenger used to say like if they were talked about a red card challenge, you'd be like, oh, I didn't see it. Which I enjoy that. You know, he's obviously watching the game and he'd be like, I didn't see it, because he always protects his players. For Michael Beale to pretend he's not seen 
that a guy, you know, a <laughs> member of his staff, even a guy he works with, has headbutted somebody on Sky Sports is insane. It's, it'll be on his phone. He'll been sent it 300,000 times. <laughs> yeah. uh, he'll been briefed before the interview. I just thought it was pathetic to to lie like that for no reason. What to protect a guy that's that's definitely going to get sacked? A guy that's just headbutted an opposition manager. What is the what's the need for that? It's absolutely wild. But we await, as you say, the official outcome of the official investigation, yeah. which will just be presumably looking at the video. Um, Maybe he didn't do it. You know, maybe he didn't do it. We'll find out. Um. Just before we move on to the game, one last bit uh, of football news that's not particularly Celtic related or even Scottish football related, but it's women's football related that I thought was interesting. We've been talking about it on the text today. Um, The Women's Football Awards, which before we started recording, I sort of asked you, how do these (laughs) awards come about? Because it just sort of seemed to appear a few couple of months ago out of nowhere. And they've got really high profile judges. Um, people that in the industry that you'd really respect so you kind of want to take it seriously but they've introduced a character a character um a category of i think it's best male ally i mean (laughs) it's it's and it's all the nominees are basically premiership footballers so it's clearly open to only like current footballers who are playing at the top level yep and you know, the, if you look through the names, the only thing they have in common is that they're they're top level footballers. I've never seen I've never seen any specific from any of these men to be doing something that means they have a category, a women's award show. Um, it's it's, you know, it's like, is there because his sister plays for England. Who cares? I've also I could have a sister. <laughs> you know, I don't. Yeah, well <laughs> done for having a sister. Only. One of them um, did his rehab with Jordan Nobbs, so like he did rehab with a woman and then occasionally I think it's mostly based on occasionally going to games and occasionally liking Instagram posts and possibly sharing them yeah like a, a tweeting congratulations when they win the Euros, it's like if, if anything there should be you know a category listing all the male premiership footballers who haven't done anything, who haven't lifted a finger you know, but yeah. it's scary that you can fit all the guys who have maybe shared a few things or spoken to a female footballer on one little category, you can fit them all in there. It's a big list of nominations for a, an award. You know, there's like 15 of them. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit embarrassing. But the, even the very existence of the category just made me kind of do a double take and I've sort of got not much more to say on the matter. In terms of, you know, it does seem to be quite a high, it's the first one that has happened. It does seem to be reasonably high profile. Um, we've got some, you know, Caroline Weir's a judge one of the listed judges nikita paris anita asante uh michael richards some like really kind of top level people that are really recognizable faces um scotland wise rangers women have been nominated in the best team of the year the only scottish team to be included i i i can't believe i'm saying this that was the positive for me (laughs) that was the positive takeaway for me because they did have an unbeaten season, you know, so the fact that they're recognising the SWPL is something that should be involved in these awards is really positive. Um, so that's what I'm trying to take from that instead of, you know, Rangers being nominated for an award and us not, but we also did get a cup double, you know, but um, an unbeaten season is something that should be should be respected and, and should be highlighted. So it's good to see if these are new awards that we're hopefully going to get some PR from, some interest from, whatever, that the SWPL has a place at them. Yeah. Also, you know, we've talked about this before that I think we have given Rangers credit for 
in terms of the way they've set up the women's team and the infrastructure that they've put into it and the way that they've been supporting it in terms of how it's growing and stuff. I think they probably are doing a lot of stuff that is a bit better than we are at Celtic and we are constantly kind of always going to make those comparisons. Um, So yeah, up your game Celtic, come on, we'll be there next year. Uh, The other one that I just wanted to mention as well before we move on is Eileen Campbell, uh, who has been nominated as a sort of ambassador. I can't remember the actual category. That's terrible now, but she's been put forward as someone, I think it's called the off the field award. So it's people working in the game. Um, who uh, deserve recognition she's obviously now the chief exec of scottish women's football so kind of the tier under where we're playing but that i think that seems like a a well-deserved recognition of the fact that she's been one of the trailblazers of keeping women's football since she took that post at the forefront of people's minds yeah again just good to see representation for for what's happening up here and hopefully it kind of kicks people on to I think the awards in general are kind of, you know, they're kind of nonsense because they kind of mean nothing. But at the same time, what they do is is give you something to strive towards and give you people to look up to, focal points of our of our game. So it's good yeah. to see that there's Scottish representation there, and particularly when it is such a small group that are in charge of the game up here that they're they're getting recognised. Yeah, really good. Right, let's talk about this football match, um, Partick Thistle. What were your thoughts pre-match, and then? we'll sort of move quickly into the fact that it this was a game that was clashing pretty much directly with a men's first team game. Yeah, I, I kind of thought we would hammer them to an extent. Uh, I think in the last episode we spoke about it, I thought there'd be a bunch of goals. I didn't think it'd be the best game ever. Um, but I did think it'd be a comfortable win. I wasn't too worried about it. They are probably the weakest of the top six, I think even just in terms of the table, squeezed their way in there. Um, and they're all quite fresh-faced and, and experienced players. But, uh, you know, it proved to be a wee bit tougher than that. And as you say, the clash just meant that maybe that made me feel like more it was kind of a done deal and not to be too worried about it because mm. I wasn't going to see all of it. And it's a case of Celtic, go do your job and then we'll, we'll catch up with you after the international break <laughs> for the, the big, huge game. But yeah. that's kind of my feelings before the game and it, it proved okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um there was I was at the game because obviously you have to make a choice. You were reacting, I think, on the Cynic, so you were watching the men's game. I went to the women's game, as mentioned, I was absolutely freezing. Um it was compared to the crowds that have been coming, especially for some of the bigger games, but even just in terms of like a regular sort of Saturday, Sunday fixture for the SWPL, it was there was a smattering of folk. It felt very much sort of like we'd gone back in time a bit to the time where you yeah. could pr- pretty much recognise everyone in the stands. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. You know, you can't clash games. It's just the way it is. Um, I know, I appreciate, I think when it's not a big game, the attendances in terms of money at the gate and stuff don't make as big an impact. So they, they'll do the option that gets them on the TV or makes the, everything a wee bit easier. Um but yeah, I think any time you're going to clash with the men's team, you're going to see an insane drop in attendances because, as we said, to grow the women's game, if you're part of a, a men's team, you have to go hand in hand. You have to start that strategy mm. with the two of them being given their own time and the fact that you're a Celtic fan. So when you clash games, it kind of just goes against that. Um, And it was on the TV. So, you know, if you couldn't get to the game, technically you could watch it. But obviously 
it still clashes. You can't change time. It was good for Party Thistle fans who wanted to watch it on TV. So they are the, that is the sector of the diagram that is benefiting there. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> um, so yeah, frustrating. But let's talk about the game. The f- lineup we will go through first. So of course we had Pam Tackelnart in goals. We had a back three of Caitlin Hayes, uh, Claire O'Riordan and Taylor Otto. No Kelly Clark. Hayes is captain. Um, we had... Hannah Kerner out right and Tegan Bowie out on the left. Um, sitting in front of the back three, we had Olivia Chance, then Shen um, and Jacinta. And up front, we had Kit Lefersky and Amy Gallagher. So quite a number of things to kind of comment on there, I would think. What's the first thing that stuck out to you when you saw it? Um, I mean, auto going back into that back three, it's something we've talked about. Uh, it's something that we think must might be the future of her in this team if she's going to be here longer term. So that was good to see. You know, that seems like the fact she ended up getting hooked at half time from the Rangers game. There's clearly a there's clearly something not working right in the middle of the park for her. So I think it was good and proactive to see her in that back three, particularly when we don't have you know all of our centre half options necessarily fit. And I feel like maybe Kelly def like. Been playing a lot of football. She's been involved in international fixtures as well. She's a player that's kind of drop out at some point from games that she can get a rest as a captain. Mm. Uh, so it made sense for me. And then Tegan Bowie, mm-hmm. you know, just out of the blue, she's somebody in January we talked about, and I thought there's a position there for her to make her own. I don't think any of us saw the emergence of Lou coming the way it did. I mean, yeah. just like you know, you can't take her out of squad. Um, so that was exciting and exciting for me because I felt it was a good game for her, particularly after the split this is the game maybe that's going to be most comfortable for her to find her feet again, jump back in. Um, and then that, the kind of forward situation, you know, Lefersky, Gallagher, kind of in a front two maybe, and, you know, maybe that's the way forward and what's it going to look like in the bigger game. So it's all very interesting, I thought, this lineup. Yeah, it was really interesting. And you do wonder what's what's going on behind the scenes, scenes in terms of, I spoke to Fran afterwards um, and we've got some clips of it. Um, I won't, play it now but there's we've put it up on the youtube channel and there are links to it all across the cynic twitter um uh and the tegan bowie start i think is kind of really interesting to note you kind of wonder he talked quite a lot about you know she out trained lou she's been you know working really hard she deserves this start da, da, da. would he have started her if that had been the case before a game against glasgow city or rangers Pro- probably possibly not yeah. I don't know <laughs> um so obviously there are a lot of factors playing into that the fact that Flint has come out um and Otto has gone back into the back three um he talked after the game I asked him about Taylor Otto moving to that back three and saying we've seen her more often in midfield is this something we're going to see more often and he sort of said she's a centre mid she's a centre mid she's a centre mid but she can do a job at the back whereas I think as fans what we've seen is She's a defender, she's a defender, she's a defender. She can possibly do a job at sentiment. <laughs> yeah, it's just about playing to somebody's strengths, I think. And maybe, again, if if she's going to be here long term, maybe Fran sees, uh, I mean, she's clearly got ability, you know, and he sees that physicality and that is something he wants to mould into his ideal, mm. you know, holding centre mid. That makes sense. Um, right now, for us, you know, as we talk every week, we like her better as a centre half. That's just personal preference, really. I think she's got a lot to prove in the Celtic jersey. But the, you know, his his comments were so interesting, and he is that kind of manager you expect that of. This whole idea of you can be out trained, and he's picking players based on desire and form and commitment. And 
I don't think MD has like a nobody has a divine right to start in a Fran Alonso team, which I do think is true. I think you're right. Uh, how much does that hold water in a a big derby week? But we've seen him make some strange, you know, lineup choices out the blue in derby week. So maybe it does. And he is a very charismatic manager who puts a lot into emotion and commitment. So if somebody trains super hard during the week and is deserving of a chance, I do think he would put them into to most games. Yeah, um, we'll probably as we talk through the game, come to some of those perform. There are a few players and in- those included that I kind of want to pick out and look at how they did perform. Um, but overall, what did you make of the first half? I mean, I started doing some of the rewatching this afternoon again and, you know, we hit the bar within three minutes. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the first 10 minutes, we could have had three goals really. Yeah. Um, I don't think we started at any kind of electric pace, but at the same time, we just thought that we were cutting Bartik this open which is what you like to see. I don't think it felt frenetic or anything like that. Um, I thought in general we played pretty well without the scoreline reflecting that. Second half a wee bit duller. Um, but we definitely could have had a, a few more goals. It just felt like we're still, you know, we've talked about missing that key striker and can Lefersky come in and be that kind of striker. You'd hope she'd score a few um, against Thistle and Gal back up top and stuff like that. But I think there was just a few things that weren't quite falling, but the signs were all good, I thought. You know, it's, it was quite a promising first half in particular, um, and the scoreline doesn't really reflect the overall performance. I thought we, we thought we were pretty good. I think generally if we beat somebody with Thistle's elk by only 2-0, you would think maybe we were pretty lax and it wasn't a great performance. But I actually thought overall we were pretty good. Yeah, I never had any fear during the game that, you know, maybe I was frustrated by the lack of a goal coming. It came in the 39th minute but there was never any point at which I started to think oh god this is not going well this is this could go another this could go away that we don't want I felt like we were in control of the game the whole time we had we did have some bad luck in terms of not only several shots that kind of hit the bar or hit the post but there was a couple of disallowed goals throughout the whole game as well a couple of maybe questionable offside he he loved blowing the whistle for offside that referee didn't he <laughs> they really do that's almost why they would almost stop you going to the excelsior i don't know what it is about the excelsior every time we go the linesman is just insane the, some <laughs> of the decisions are insane the need to put the flag up constantly is insane um you didn't get the best replay on the on the telly uh for the offside goal they got this as well but you can never tell. So my assumption, honest to God, with these people at the Excelsior is that it was Miles on site and I'll just get annoyed about it. But the, the auto disallowed goal was pathetic. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That decision, it, you know, you can you can really stretch out that decision into quite problematic things about thinking, you know, is he uh, really giving too much credence to the fact that it's, you know, a shorter keeper, it's a female keeper, that she's been challenged in some way. She just misses the ball, you know, and she and she bumps into a player when the ball is already past her. The decision to blow that foul is laughable. It's enough to make you, you know, if it was in the men's game, it'd be over the telly and all the papers for months on end. If that happened, if that happens this weekend, you know, in the men's mm. game, that decision does not stop getting talked about. Um, but because it's the women's game at a quiet Excelsior, it will be kind of, you know, oh that was that was a kind of off decision, or oh I don't know what the referee was looking for there instead of that is appalling. Uh, but it really annoyed me, in case you can't tell. 
Do you think that there's just just occurring to me that because we've touched on this, we touched on it last week when we were talking about the way we talk about Fran and the Celtic team. Do you think in women's football as a whole, especially in these developing leagues, there is a kind of fear of like any extreme opinion? We obviously hear it. There are extreme opinions. We hear them at games. They mostly get expressed by fans in the stands at the time. (laughs) But out with that context when you hear people speaking on sports scene or you hear it on the news or you hear just people generally chatting if they've seen something it just there seems to be a kind of shying away from kind of outrage and hyperbole in the same way that we use it constantly when we're talking about the men's game yeah i do think it's a fine line i understand the idea of wanting the women's game to be more accessible to not be as divisive and as polarizing and as kind of toxic as the men's game, which it is. The men's game in Scotland is toxic. It's it's a stressful thing to follow. It's a stressful thing to be a part of. So I do understand that, but I do think sometimes we fall into the trap of the women's game being a bit too cuddly. Yeah. And some of the analysis is a bit wishy washy. Nobody wants to climb the out. Um some of the decisions, you know, like I said, with a with that kind of challenge. I don't think that would have been given as a foul in a in a game with men with big six foot four mm. goalkeepers and all that. I don't think that would have been deemed a foul. We saw Jacinta get sent off for telling the referee to get out the effing way. Yeah, you know that would <laughs> if that happened in the men's game again. It would be appealed. It would be rescinded. Game over because that's insane. Men are, people are allowed to swear on the pitch if they're male or female. So I do think there is little moments in the league, um, and in our game where we we are too prone to making it a bit too. I don't know. Family friendly is not even the word because families can shout at the football as well. You know, kids are the ones. I also, yeah, I know what you mean. I also kind of think that the hyperbole can go both ways because sometimes then what happens is like we touched on last week. You get everyone on Twitter and like across social media and stuff talking about the incidents, like the Craig McPherson headbutt or the Jacinta sending off or that time that. I'll never forget Neve Farrelly kicking Chloe Craig in the stomach. <laughs> um, but and th- this sort of stuff is happening all the time. And But it, that's really negative. And it seems that sometimes as well, only the when there is kind of an extreme event, it's only the negative ones that do then get publicized. So it's like, oh, look at this. This happened in the women's game. And it, rather than like, holy crap, have you seen this goal? It's absolutely wild. It's unbelievable. You know, some of the stuff that like Lou has pulled off this season or something. You just want people to be looking at that and focusing on it rather than <laughs> just the negative. But I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm basically how do I know what I think till I hear what I say at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just always there's always seems to be a caveat with the women's game in Scottish football. Um and it's either positive or negative. You know it's it's uh something basic will be will be overblown by uh an uh a pundit or something like that here because it's the women's game and they're trying to show face and then something that's completely innocuous or is an extreme will be kind of just blown up for fun you know uh and it's it's not really appropriate and i don't think they get the the women's game doesn't get the same dead-on analysis instinctive analysis that the men's game does mm. and it's because everything's a bit too measured and a wee bit too considered and we can be guilty of it sometimes in terms of we've had conversations about wanting to grow interest in the in the game mm. and grow interest in the team so are we going to come on here and be as toxic as we as we are talking at half time you know about, about players or about a game 
and it's sounds make it's us sound a, like we have really terrible conversations all the time. <laughs> yeah, but it's a tightrope of like, yeah, everyone's the same, you know. You're going to be different with your friends talking about the football yeah. than you are to a stranger at the game, you know. So it's just it's a case of what gets airtime, and in Scottish football, we're more typical to give airtime to stupid opinions for clicks, you know, particularly in the men's game. So it's it's not really a fair comparison. Um. We've kind of got sidetracked because this all came from us talking about these disallowed, this disallowed goal, which yeah, I've, watched sev- goal. I've watched several times and I cannot understand it. But we move on. We won the game. We got three points. But let's talk about uh, the first goal that we scored to start getting our way towards those three points. Um, the actual, the first goal that counted. Uh, do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was kind of. It'd been something that had been happening throughout the game, which had been to see Amy running through the middle again, which is really exciting for me. I think she's a player that understands that role. Um, I, I liked what I saw from Kit as well. I think she understands that she has to run there. I didn't think things were coming off for her as much. And the telekinesis, I say this every week, the telekinesis, tele, <laughs> telepathy, telepathy, telepathy of, um, of her with the midfield hasn't quite clicked yet because she's brand new. But I think you could see it with Amy. And Jazz picks up the ball in the middle of the park and just splits the defence open with a gorgeous through ball. Amy is onto it like a flash. She doesn't break her stride. And the finish when she gets one-on-one with the keeper is outrageously good. And she has such such a knack for one-on-one finishing, which is, again, something that has been so key when you're talking about the best strikers we've had the past couple of years because we score goals by breaking the lines and getting people one-on-one with the keeper. And Amy's composure is second to none, probably in the team. Uh, such a good finish to the bottom corner. It really was like, you talk about that pass from Jacinta, such a beautiful ball put through and they were just caught way too high up the pitch. They gave Amy tons of room. She was one-on-one with the keeper and it just curves in. It's like, it feels like she did, she made it, look better than she even needed to make it look but I do think that she's the player in that team at the moment maybe that when she's getting an opportunity like that you're thinking you've got the most confidence in her to pull it off and not fuck it up (laughs) yeah I mean this is why I've been so kind of confused about Amy's the decision to just drop Amy out of that striker role nobody finishes as well as her in the team you know that's the first thing the striker should be doing nobody has that composure that instinct the quality, basically, if you didn't see it, she, her finish was like what Kyogo tried to do mm. with his, you know, one-on-one with the keeper where he opens his body up. But she opens her body up so quickly, she sends the keeper the wrong way, and about a millisecond she sits her down, puts it in the bottom corner, and it is honestly just 10 out of 10 for her every time. She she buries those with no problem. She doesn't blow chances. Mm. For me, until we see that Kit is the answer, uh, it's Amy Gallagher for me in these big games through the middle. Yeah. I think I think I agree with you. Um, just talking about us kind of getting past their defence, I think they did generally, I think their keeper had a good performance. I think that they did defend well. Fran, again, if you go back to the interview that we did, talked about it afterwards. And <laughs> I don't know who was making digs at, but he was very um, complimentary about them. And he used the phrase, they didn't waste time or use dirty tactics, but that's for everyone to infer. Um <laughs> But what did you make of Partick Thistle in terms of the, you talked at the beginning of when we were talking about this game about the fact that they, you know, they were the team that scraped it into the top six. It's really impressive that they made it the top six at all when you consider where they are as a as a club. Uh, but I think what we saw 
is what their results kind of show um, in the second half of the season in particular. Just organised, committed, they've found their footing, you know, as a team, I think, a kind of newly put together team. Uh, so it was dead impressive for the most part. You know, I think when you take a, take on any of the top three and you kind of keep them at bay for long periods of time, that is impressive. And it's not even like, I think sometimes we see players and teams do that for the first half. And in the second half, the fitness tells, the quality tells, and we come out and run over somebody. But we didn't really get to do that with Thistle. And as you say, the keeper put a lot of double saves in. There was a lot of last-ditch defending, a lot of good uh, commitment to blocking things on the line in the six-yard box, which is what any team needs playing a a bigger side, I think. Sometimes last-ditch defending is seen as like under the cosh and desperate and not really part of a game plan but it is you know the, the best teams in the world defend at the last they don't let you get the shots away yeah and I felt that like we weren't allowed that we weren't allowed free shots really so they did pretty well um they were also it's worth noting missing um some of their key players who've been really instrumental to them getting I mean Cheryl McCulloch's out on a long-term injury I think Abby Ferguson has been really good for them since she's gone on loan from us so obviously because she's a loan player she couldn't play against us so yeah, it's worth remembering that they kind of maybe weren't at full strength. I think they have another striker because uh, it's one of the commentators talk about Rachel Donaldson kind of leading that line on her own, which maybe she hasn't been doing. And we know she's a player with a huge amount of quality. Um, good to go into half time with a goal. Like I said, at that point, I didn't really have any fear that we weren't going to make this our game. <laughs> Yeah, no, it felt it felt comfortable. As I say, I thought the football was pretty good without being uh without blowing Thistle away. So yeah, first half. Once it was done and dusted, then again you're checking the score uh and stuff as well in between the Celtic game and it just felt it it did that feeling for me, that relaxed, let's get this out of the way. Ideally let's get a bunch of goals, but I'm kind of off the goal difference train now until I can see, you know, a, a mathematical finish line for us. Uh I'd need us to beat City before I can start thinking about goal difference again. So just the win, comfortable, no injuries. That's how it felt for me at halftime. I was like, right, as long as we hold this out, I'll, I'll be okay. What did you make of 61 minutes in a quadruple sub? We haven't really seen that before. No, uh, maybe that though speaks to the comfortability we had. You know, just to be like, well, here's all the, here's some fresh legs. Hmm. Here's some runouts. Here's some changes. I don't think you make four subs without, you know, really disrupting the flow of a team. So I think that maybe spoke to how, we were comfortable when there wasn't really a threat coming back the other way. Mm. Yeah, it was Otto um, Gallagher, O'Reardon and Kerner who came off and it was Natasha Flint, uh, Natalie Ross, Maria McEnany and Shen who came on. So that meant a bit of shifting around of position as well in terms of Kerner coming away from that wing position. Um, I think during the course of the match, three players played on that out wide right because um, the other sub that was made was Jacinta came off 84 minutes and Chloe Craig came on and then she took that position out wide on the right. So it does show that we've got players who can kind of fit in and slot into these positions, especially against uh, opposition when we're feeling pretty comfortable. Um, But I kept, you know, when you're watching the dugout and you're like, oh, Natalie's coming. Oh, okay. Uh, Natasha oh okay Maria okay and Shen's coming on I was really surprised because we just haven't seen him do that before no I'm not something I would like to see him do again really (laughs) okay we'll move on (laughs) Um, (laughs) let's talk about I mean second half performance I think I don't think there's anything to complain about there really either I think 
the goal we'll talk about but was there anything that you did you think we dropped off a bit did you think they came back into it at all um or do you think that our kind of status as the professional kind of team with, with the stamina and fitness saw us out yeah seen out is a good way to put it i thought the the quality of the game kind of stayed the same there wasn't too much of a drop off there wasn't um players didn't really come on and make a huge impact apart from you know the actual goal uh, but I didn't feel like much changed in the game, which again is a little bit disappointing because you want players to be staking their claim for the big games coming up. The nature of the split in the SWPL, there's such a handful of big games when the split happens. Mm. It's not like there's any that are, are walkovers and then you get the multiple games against the teams around you. So I do feel like, and we saw with the whole Tegan situation, uh, you can play your way into this team. So for strikers to come on and not score, they probably be disappointed about. For... Uh, players to come on, even defenders to come on and not feel like they're getting in the game that much. Uh, it's probably a little underwhelming for them. But in general, I thought the game didn't quite peter out, but it was just very comfortable. And uh, again, you were like, we could have had a few more goals. We kind of should have had a few more goals. But at the end of the day, it was a it was a fine performance. Yeah. Um, we normally, by this time in the week, have the stats and stuff of this game so we can check things like XG. We don't have them this week. I'm not sure why they're not out. Um, but it was off the back of Lou doing Lou kind of things up that left-hand side and coming coming in and cutting that ball in that created the second goal, which technically it was an own goal. Rosie Slater put it right in the back of the net. Um, such a congested area when she put that ball in and it feels like if Rose, it hadn't been Rosie Slater, it would have been one of the Celtic players coming up behind her. Yeah, and if you can get to the byline when teams are defending their box that deep, that's when you can negate all that and, as you say, just fire it across into the corridor of uncertainty um, <laughs> and somebody will put it in, you know, and we were missing that uh, against Rangers. We had a few good balls come across. We've missed it recently and having somebody instinctive in there to, to snatch it in the six-yard box. But when the defence are that deep, if Lou beats her her, uh, her marker and gets to the byline, she just needs to fire it across. So, you know, Jacinta also found her with that run um, with a good wee ball. And then it's just that acknowledgement of when your wingers or your best forward players have somebody one-on-one to, to feed them the ball because they're going to get doubled up if you let them, you know, give them a bit of time to find their shape. So I thought that was good. That was exciting to see kind of late on in the game that wasn't that um, eventful, mm. that they were still kind of firing at that pace. That was good. And Lou, as you say, doing Lou things is always fun to watch. Yeah, really good. Um, just before we kind of tie up and finish talking about the game, we, we've mentioned the other players that when we talked about the lineup, we maybe um, found it worth remarking on that they do this sort of change position or come into the team what did you make of Tegan Bowie's performance being put in for the for the start of that I uh, I thought she was she was doing Tegan Bowie things and that she was committed she was running really hard um, it was good to see her I think she's somebody on the pitch that you can always rely on to put a real power of work in which is key in that position uh, when she's competing against players like Lou and before that Lucy I think there's there's a wee bit of a drop off there in terms of experience and quality. Um, I don't think she can set the world alight, but for what she had to do, I thought she did pretty well. She maybe she maybe could have taken the game by the scruff of the neck a wee bit more and taken a kind of nod from what Lou does in that position and kind of gone a bit more attacking with it and a bit more direct to the byline. Uh, but in general, I thought she did pretty well. But I don't think it's a a position she's going to take over anytime soon. 
Yeah, I thought that there was, a, I don't know, the phrase just kind of came to me like kind of a bit of an understated quality about mm. her. I think she was doing some, re- like looking back at the game, there were some really quality weighted passes. Her passing seemed to be really accurate. Like you said, she's always going to run. She's going to run, run, run. And I think that partly we're, we're currently in a p- place where we've got Lou who is so direct and so kind of tricky with the ball and can just get round players in a way that Tegan doesn't maybe do as directly or have the confidence to do. And before Lou, we had, and Fran talked about this after the game, it was Lucy Ashworth Clifford who also was kind of playing in a similar kind of style. So it's, it's funny, isn't it? When a player comes on and it's just like, is, is she not as good or is she just doing it differently? I'm not sure. And we haven't really seen enough of her to know. And I think that for a player like her, you know, you want to see her getting more minutes to just build up that kind of bank of experience, really. Well, I think a, t- a team evolves, you know, to a to a position or to how somebody makes a position their own. I think Lou has made that position their own so much that even the team around her know what she's going to do. They know how to accommodate her, how to play her in. I think Lucy's game was a little bit more similar to Tegan's. It's a little bit more traditional, anyway. You know, as a as a wing player, um, so I, th- I think she found a little bit more success coming on as a sub or mm-hmm. rotating with with Lucy. But Lou's game is so unique, and it's so kind of the antithesis of a left back. You know, and sometimes <laughs> you do have to make that a left back role. You'd never, you can't really picture Lou in that position, but that's where she plays. Uh, so I think it's just a very, very different change of pace. Um, so I think unless she gets a run, I don't know if the team's going to quite mould back to uh, accommodating yeah. her. But yeah. she's definitely got quality and she's good enough, you know, to to be part of this squad. So it's it's up to her. And I guess what happens with Lou and Lucy and stuff in the summer about, you know, where she sees her future at Celtic. Um, we'll wrap up talking about that game now. Was there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you kind of took notice of either during the game or going back to look at what Fran said in all his discussions after the game? Uh, well, the big frustration for me was that none of the strikers took their their chance. Uh, I think for me, it's still Amy and she obviously scored, but I don't, I don't seem like I'm going to get that. I'm not going to get Amy through the middle. So I was a bit disappointed to see um, Kit and Tash not get on the score, score sheet. Kit was really close. I thought that header she had off the post was really impressive because it's a little bit of ingenuity, a little bit of creativity. She is undersized to get up, win that header and direct it really well was impressive because she had to, you know, it was very well thought out. So I like the look of Kit. I just felt for her and I felt for me and my nerves that she didn't get on the score sheet and kind of demand that she's the starter now until the end of the season. Maybe she's our secret weapon against Glasgow City. Well, she'll run, she'll play the position as the way, you know, we want her to, which is a start. And it's the same with like, you know, Liv Ferguson is somebody who plays the way we want her to. It just doesn't always work out for her. She's not quite getting the goals or the, the reward. Mm. But she plays the game the way we need our strikers to. So I see the same with Kit from the off. Just hope she can return with the goals. Yeah. Um, Liv Chance got the stadium player or the sponsor player of the match. Would you have given it to Liv? She, I mean, we haven't mentioned her specifically during our discussion of this game. She stayed on for the full 90 and she really worked hard as she always does and she's just a player with such an enormous amount of quality that she kind of she keeps a team like that especially one which the personnel are rotating around her kind of grounded and steady I think in a way yeah I thought she was really good um 
my player of the match, not to return to form, is Jacinta. Though again, I just I thought she she ran the show. I think she started the game so strongly. She created a lot of opportunities. Um, she was just a standout player in a game that was pretty good. And everyone was pretty good. And a lot of things were happening to a good level without being too flashy and and uh, too impressive. But I thought Jacinta kind of stood out as she always does. Mm. Um, we took the two points. Uh, two points, three points. We took two goals, three points. Um, the next was a break, as discussed, um, and then the next game, Glasgow City away, Peters Hill Park. We don't win against Glasgow City in the league. <laughs> it's not. It's not an ideal situation. We really need to break, and it's not just away because I kind of always go, "Oh, it's Peters Hill. That's the problem," and I think I'm misdirecting my. <laughs> Aya, I think that there's some something has to break for us to be able to get a result against them at this point. Does it feel like that to you? We seem to be able to do it in cup competition, but just not in the league. Yeah, there's a hoodoo there, and it needs broken. And this is the this is the thing. I think there, if we'd got three points against Rangers, it'd be much easier to say this. But there is no better time to break this, and this is the closest it'll feel to a cup game than an all or nothing because. If City take a take two points off us or three points off us, the league is done. You know they'll become uncatchable. We have to win these games. Mm. We have to turn them over twice. So this is as close as a league game is going to feel like to a cup game for the Celtic team. So I think they have to embrace that. Um, the pressure at Peters Hill Park might be a lot to contend with for City. I know generally they're they're very good at home and they get a lot out of that. But there's a lot of expectancy. They are quite comfortable leading at the top now. Uh, if we can kind of get on their backs a bit early, maybe nick an early goal, that could tell. Um, there's opportunities there, but it's it's you know it's an enormous game. But I think the the only benefit I would take from that is how much it will feel like a cup game and a do or die. And if you want to motivate the players, you tell them they go out, they get three points, and the league's still up for grabs. If they don't, it's over. So. Yeah, it's it's exciting, <laughs> it's terrifying, and I'm not that confident. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was going to ask you, like, what do we need to do differently to get that result? What is it that's kind of been holding us back? But then hearing you talk about it like as if it's a cup game, I'm now almost thinking that it's kind of that do or die mentality. I'm really intrigued to see the team that Fran puts out because... You know, this is the game at Peters Hill. I think it was where he moved Jodie Bartle last season into a really unfamiliar position for her. Clearly, this hasn't been working. <laughs> but whether he kind of does a thing where he like throws an enormous amount of experience at it, whether the size of the pitch has an, a bearing on who he puts in, whether it's players who maybe have to do slightly less running or cover slightly less ground, but who've got skills that can break through Glasgow City's lines. It's really difficult to predict, isn't it? Yeah, for me, it's about it's about getting the lineup right. Um, I think we have the qualities to beat City. Um, it's just about matching up. I almost wish we could see City's lineup, you know, three hours before we saw ours, and just match them up. I just think sometimes we we leave ourselves exposed to some of their better players. Um, sometimes there's a mix of not trusting ourselves enough. I don't feel like and putting an attacking lineup out. Mm. Uh, but then whenever we have done that there's kind of there's players in wrong positions further back you know I, I never feel like I, I personally think there's a Celtic team you can put out that accommodates everyone's perfect positions and that's still very attacking I don't think it needs to become something a bit mental 
Yeah. Uh, but that involves Amy Gallagher through the middle, which nobody wants to do, apart from me. <sighs> Just keep shouting it, Lorenzo. I also weirdly feel like <laughs> Hannah Kern is going to have a really good game against Glasgow City. I feel like her ability to like have that energy forwards and like when I think this last few games of our last our last ditch defending that has really been pulled off by a player it's she's done she's done that a number of times that has really impressed me and I think that'll be really crucial against a team like Glasgow City so I'm excited to see her um I would I would take Claire Reardon and I would put her on Lauren Davidson and I'd say do not let her move I would push her around I would not let her get any free space I think we don't do that enough we don't target the quality players in the opposition enough we stick to too much of a structure I think you see when we play Rangers and City they just triple up on Lou they triple up on Jacinta and they kind of deal with it from there I don't think we do that enough yeah you're absolutely right and I think obviously the other player who we need to be aware of is Priscilla Chinchia who will run us riot and run us ragged if given the chance um she's so quick we just we you cannot lose concentration if you're trying to sort of stop her doing what she does for a second so fingers crossed that's what we do <laughs> uh the game is on um the 16th of april at 10 past four which to those in the know will indicate to us all that it's on bbc alba um but i would say especially at peters hill it's in glasgow like if you can come to this game i honestly think this is a game where the crowd will make an enormous difference and the glasgow city fan there will be there will be a really huge glasgow city contingent so we like really need to bring out the numbers for that game so if you are able to get to that game on the 16th of april i would strongly 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 encourage you to obviously i would strongly encourage everyone to come to every game but would you agree with me lorenzo (laughs) yes absolutely and i would get there early-ish because the traffic can be pretty bad getting up there and then uh it's always got a big crowd without having you know they don't have seats for everyone so it becomes kind of terracy. So I would get there earlier just in case it rains. Because if it rains and you're not undercover, it's bad there. And it's <laughs> all thick. And what's the little... We're trying uh, to encourage people, Lorenzo. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's, I, mean, it is, I mean, to be fair, up here, you get a great view. You know, it's very good atmospheric. Good chips, good, good catering. <laughs> yep. It's a, it's, a, it's a great place to watch football. Genuinely, it is, it is just not been good to us. Um, but you know the little... Um, there's a little traffic cheat code you taught me. When I was in the car and I was like, I'm in a huge queue. Yeah, if and you're, it was like, if you're, dri- turn in. <laughs> as you're driving kind of off the main dual carriageway towards Springburn, you think you're in a traffic queue, but if you just change, because that traffic queue is actually for the retail park. So change mm. lanes and you can kind of bypass it. You think, oh no, you think that the queue is going to go all the way up to the exit for the stadium, but it's not. So that's my top there tip. That's a big one. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to be really nervous. As- about that as we come up to it obviously we've got a men's game to be extremely nervous about this weekend so as always football is keeping us on our toes but it's lovely to talk to you about it Lorenzo you too always nice glad that the internet has survived this recording just about I know yeah we've had issues so any quality issues I do apologize um keep keep them to yourself yeah (laughs) uh thank you very much he's been Lorenzo Pacitti I've been Claire Wilde and we will speak to you very soon (laughs) 